welcome back to another episode of Your Life is Not a To-Do List. All of this information I'm bringing to you on this show is from my newly re released book of the same title, Your Life is Not a To-Do List, Tools for a More Joyful Entrepreneurial Journey. In this book, I'm sharing the story of my life, both um, from a personal standpoint, as well as my 32 years as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and just sharing some of the successes and struggles, the, you know, the, the learnings or the losses or the, um, you know, those, those things that happen along our road that are here to teach us a lesson. And um, so I'm sharing those, the story as well as the lessons I've learned and sort of the tools that I've taken to make sure I keep remembering those lessons because the big lessons in life, I feel like we have to learn over and over again. And I'm constantly reminded of that, including just the fact that I really struggle to realize that my life is not a to-do list. Uh, and I can tell you that I spent so many years as the taskmaster checking boxes and feeling like my love from others and my self-worth and my worth to others came from what I produced and the things that I got accomplished. Uh, and I still, every day, that is still a challenge. I'm just learning this year to sort of sit back and say, maybe I don't get anything done today. Um, I'm also playing with the idea of uh, learning some hobbies so that when I'm not doing anything, I feel like I'm still kind of accomplishing something, right? It might not be work, but maybe, um, you know, I've been painting with my daughter and I'd love to learn like knitting and crocheting or something so that I could seriously just relax and take a clarity break, but also feel like I'm accomplishing something. <laughs> so that's about as good as I've gotten. And, and most, most authors will tell you they, they write the book that they need to read. And so that is absolutely true with me. So uh, um, work in progress. So let's sort of dive in. The first uh, episode was just the introduction, my kind of story from start to finish um, so that you could, could understand where I'm coming from. So if you haven't listened to that, please go back and, and listen to that. But I wanna dive into sort of the first chapter, which is called Growing Up. And it's really giving this idea that the first, 18 or so, or really even less than that, the first 15 or so years of our lives, we're just this sponge, right? We're taking in so much and learning so much. And it's such a relatively short time in the grand scheme of our lives. However, it makes such a huge impact on everything we do from here on out. And you'll remember, um, from the story that I shared that I was born to very young parents. Um, my mother was 17 and my father was 18 when they found out about my coming into this world. And so their capacity and 
what they were equipped to handle as very young parents was probably not maybe what we would be equipped to handle in our late 20s or 30s, you know, the, the time period that people are having children nowadays. So I share this because while I've forgiven my parents and I love them and they taught me a lot of good, there was also a lot of struggle and instability in my childhood. Um, there was some addiction, there's been several marriages and a lot of moving and a lot of changing schools. And so sort of this belief library that I created with that upbringing is that it goes back to that I had to produce, I had to do for people in order to feel like I had value and that I was loved. Um, and a lot of that was sort of keeping the peace. Um, my parents got divorced when I was about nine and um, and then sort of the volatility of other relationships and things like that. It was, it, I somehow as the oldest, I decided somewhere along the way that it was my job to keep everyone happy and to keep the peace and to make sure everything was okay. And I got very good at reading the room and understanding moods and things like that. And I've carried that well into my adulthood because what we know about limiting beliefs is that every sort of experience that we have as we're growing up can create some beliefs. And they're typically two sides of the same coin, that one thing we learn from an experience is the limiting belief. And then on the flip side can be an empowering belief. And so when I share this idea of, of limiting beliefs with you, and this is really the tool and where you can start to get more joy in your life, is just start paying attention to those areas in which you have some belief that you created. You made up a story. And then we are, our psyche, our uh, self, our, um, you know, our inner thoughts sort of create this idea that we're wanting those beliefs to be true, right? So if it's something as simple as, you know, Murphy's Law, this always happens to me. I'm never picked first. I'm always at the bottom of the barrel. I never get the great projects or the great job. If that's what we made up somewhere along the way, everything that we do from then on out is about proving that this belief we have is true. So everything we see is the, then going to manifest itself in, in, in proof, right? So see, I, I didn't get the promotion again. I never win, right? And, and so what I would love for you to just do is start paying attention to when you're limiting yourself, when you're saying, I can't, or I don't have enough experience to run my own company, or I don't, I'm too old to start my own company, or all of those, those things that, you know, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough. And all of those things, when those start coming up for you, I want you to sort of dig in and think about where did that come from? Where did I make this story up? And what is actually the truth? And, and you can sort of, once 
you dig into the experience in which you created it, you can sort of say, like my example is, I think that I have to produce and do things for people and help them and keep the peace in order to be loved. So if that's a belief, I can sort of say, what is the truth about that? Actually, that's not true at all, right? The fact that I've been put on this planet means that I have value. And if nothing else, God, my creator loves me. And so, and I don't have to do anything to prove that or earn that. The flip side of that, the empowering side of that belief, however, is that I love to help people and I'm re and I feel reward and I feel intrinsically happy when I can help and do things for other people. So what I've then had to navigate is understanding when it's healthy, when I want to help and it's altruistic and I don't expect anything in return. And when I'm doing it to be loved, to feed my ego, to get something from someone else or to feel appreciated. And that can be manipulative, right? And so that's where I have to look at what side of the coin this belief is playing in my world and, and how is it keeping me from true joy by, you know, potentially manipulating my loved ones by doing things for them and giving them things and then being bitter when I don't get the appreciation that I might think that I deserve from that, right? And that's played out a lot in my life. Um, so some, some tricks or tips is just start paying attention to where you see these limiting beliefs show up, go back and understand where that might've come from and then, and then come up with a new truth because you, neither is probably 100% true, right? The empowering belief that, I want to help people and it fills my buckets. It's probably not 100% true. But what else is not true is that I need to help people in order to feel loved. And one, I help people because I like to and I feel accomplished is much more empowering. And the fact that I have a great work ethic and I get things done is much more empowering than, than the other. Um, and so then the other way to sort of look at that is to start paying attention to emotional triggers. And so if you are having an interaction with someone and you're emotionally triggered, triggered, um, the idea there is to pay attention, look at that as a guide or a sign of where a limiting belief might be playing, wreaking havoc on your life. Um, and so here's an example. You go into a meeting and you've got a great idea and you think this is so innovative. I can't wait to share it with the team. And you get to the point in the meeting where you have a turn to sort of share this great idea you came up with and you get sort of a lukewarm, mediocre response. Like everyone says, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that next time. And that's not what you're expecting. So the first idea is, is to see that you're triggered. Like you're, you're disappointed, you're upset. This didn't work the way you thought it would. So to pay attention to what is that trying to tell you? And you can sort of look at maybe in your house, unless people were jumping for joy and hugging you, then, then it meant really nothing. 
Um, or maybe in your past, you've shared a great idea and then was laid off a month later, right? So all of those experiences can now be playing into what's going on now. And so then the next step is to, to uh, after understanding where it came from, is to step back and say, okay, what is the truth? The truth here is that you had a response that was didn't meet your expectations in terms of positivity and excitement. So if that's the case, what do you know to be 100% true? Not a lot, right? It could have, you do not know why the, the team's response or anyone else's response was not what you expected. So the truth is you could be, you could be just having expected too much. The truth could be they were just all in a hurry and, and it just came out of left field. It could be that they really like to process and that they're very analytical and they need to think about that before they have any excitement around it. It could be that they just had a bad day and they got up on the wrong side of the bed. It could be a thousand other things, but none of those you know to be true. And so now you can respond or behave in an entirely different way. Right. If you don't do those other two steps of discovering what it is that's triggering and come up with what is truly accurate, then you could respond from that first emotional trigger, that first idea that you came up with in your head, which is that was a terrible idea. They hate me. Things are going wrong. And if you're going to behave from that place, I guarantee it's sort of this little fight or flight place, and you're not going to truly behave or interact in a way that will benefit you because you're in this, this, this space of, of being afraid or uncertain of, of what's going on. But when you do those other two steps and say, okay, some of this is on me because I understand that my expectations were high and I understand that I really needed a really positive response today. So 50% of this is, is on me. And then the other thing that we discover is what is truly real. What is the absolute truth that we can prove as true? Not what we made up. And now how are you going to respond? How are you going to behave from a place of this, this empowerment and this knowledge? Well, you can call them and say, hey, was that a bad idea? I, I feel like I was really excited about it and I didn't get a great response. Can you guys share with me what you were feeling? You can say something like, this is, I learned this from Brene Brown. The story I'm making up in my head is that you all think this was a horrible idea. When you say the story I'm making up in my head, you take the pressure off everyone else, right? They're no longer on the defensive. They don't have to defend their behavior. They can simply say, oh, I'm sorry, that's what you thought. Or they can tell you maybe it wasn't a great idea, but they can now explain and be in a position to help you with the story you made up rather than defend themselves or defend their behavior and put it in into a place of conflict. Um, so that's one option. The other option is just to assume everything's fine until you hear otherwise, or bring it up again the next meeting like they asked you to. Um, so your, your options of how you wanna behave become different when you really dig in and decide from an empowering place 
um, what is mine and what is truth? And now how will I behave? So there's some thoughts about limiting beliefs that have really helped me have better relationships, have better interactions and, um, you know, have more joy. So uh, I would love for you to try that out, try that on. If nothing else, go about this week, sort of looking for areas where you might be limiting yourself with some story you made up that's just not true. And you need to go back into that belief library and maybe get rid of some of those books, right? Get rid of some of those stories. And um, so thanks for, for listening and thanks for tuning in. And I will be back next week in which we talk about sort of locus of control and some other great uh, tools for living more joyfully. Thanks and have a great week.